0: where we look at films with historical content in them even though they are fictions and we'll discuss the historical content versus the fiction and make a decision by the end of the episode what, to what degree the history is valid or not whether could you ever show this to someone and say look that bit is not bad in terms of accuracy uh, we yeah, take it's...
1: a stab out of history
0: Hey, Which means you can get a hint as to what today's episode is about. My name is Hugh David, I am your co-host and co-producer, and I am a history teacher by trade, amongst other <laughs> trades that I have done, uh, along with a history degree, and you, uh, Jenna, oh. are...
1: <laughs> well, I'm Jenna, you said my name. <laughs> no,
0: no, no, give us more, give us your bio, mini-bio.
1: Um, I'm a undergraduate uh, history student at the University of Gloucestershire, and yes. I am almost finished with my degree. Ooh, mm-hmm. ooh, so I'll get some lovely letters at the end of my name. Sure. Uh, I am considering going on to doing Masters. And I'm also on two committees for the uh, Historical Associ- Association. Sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, one being my local one and the other one being the committee committee, as we call it. <laughs> so.
0: uh, okay. Yep. Uh, and so we are here to talk to you about today the film version of the video game franchise Assassin's Creed. Yeah. Yes, uh, we wanted a break from the run of nineteenth, 18th and 19th century stuff that we were kind of stuck in in the early 20th. Uh, and it's
1: because both... that's, there's just so much of it.
0: Yeah, and um, and we were both we're both fans of the games, mm-hmm. and uh, I I bought the movie and already I owned it already, and it was a great excuse for me to go and watch it again, and I enjoyed it even more the second time. Mm. Um, and in fact, I'm probably going to upgrade to a 4K version at some point because the photography is astonishing. Yeah, um, I,
1: I bought it on Amazon, and now I'm considering buying the Blu-ray. So.
0: Well, uh, let's talk about that afterwards because if my when my 4K arrives, there will be a spare between Ooh. that and my current Steelbook. There'll be a spare set, spare discs. So. Yeah, we'll talk about that. Okay, so <laughs> uh, let's talk about the film. Uh, mm. So, um, so this is uh, a very so controversial to some degree in the sense that it's a big budget film from Fox, uh, which has uh, which was very widely uh, panned both by fans of the games and. Uh, non-fans, um. uh, film critics in general, it's. I think it's undeserved. I think the mm. film, it, personally, that is. I think I think it's got a lot of good stuff. I think it's vastly entertaining. I think it does most of what I want from a big-budget action with lot, and it does it with extra intelligence and consideration. But I also think that the the fact that they didn't quite figure out certain things on the page first with the script means that the version we have now, I suspect is probably, especially having watched the deleted scenes, I can see, I can see that they had to figure certain things out and maybe that struggle is why there's a lack of clarity for some viewers. Mm. Um, you have a director, Justin Kurzel, Australian director who's gone on to do some more historical stuff. He worked with uh, writer Michael Leslie and and star Fass, uh, Michael Fassbender on uh, and and Marion Cotillard sorry, as well. All, four, all mm. of them together were on Macbeth, yeah, which is a very good version. I've used that in class, it, although it does take a massive, great blade to the text, but. <laughs> um, you know, you can see why all of them would come together for something a bit more kind of action-orientated, although or mm. there's certainly sufficient action in their version of Macbeth. I think the new period of time that is, if memory serves, you can correct me because you know the game's better than me, but if mm-hmm. memory serves, this is not, Assassin's Creed is a franchise dots around different chunks of history. Mm-hmm. This is, the the film is set in one that's not in the games,
1: Technically, um, yes. Ezio is around at the same time, which is the assassin from Assassin's Creed 2, uh, Brotherhood Re- and Revelations.
0: Yes, so that's Renaissance Italy.
1: Uh, yeah, the yeah. Um, two assassins of this period do meet in one of the other games. Okay. Uh, because the really interesting thing about this film is that they've made it canon. It's not a alternate universe like many video game films are.
0: Yes, this so It's
1: still completely tied in and it goes with the law and that could be seen as a bit of a problem for some people because Assassin's Creed is almost as complicated as Kingdom Hearts.
0: Okay. And you need you... to explain that to the non-video gamers. <laughs>
1: uh, Kingdom Hearts is a game where Disney and Final Fantasy have crossed over and it is the most
0: ridiculous plot in the world. <laughs> Um, you know what I think is interesting I think people sometimes particularly in this kind of uh, this era in which fans of all stripes are obsessed with canon and continuity two Mm. things that are uh, two things that come out of both English literature analysis and history it should Mm. be pointed out the notion of a canon yeah, the idea of continuity as mattering are things that Historians, in particular, have brought to the table in academic study, and I do feel that these are overemphasized in fandoms because we should be here to enjoy the story.
1: Well, not always. I, I you know, my taste with fandom and uh, canons are what ruined ships.
0: <laughs> Literally, yes. yes. And again, that's a historical <laughs> statement. <laughs> um, but that's the point I'm trying to make. Yeah. You know. The story itself, it's. I, I think this is a bigger issue, and I think at some point we may have to build a bigger podcast around this, not just real history, but I think we might have to bring in our colleagues from Hustlers of Culture and Binges of Boxers to have this. Discussion.
1: Oh, ultimate crossover! Yeah.
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, Crisis on Infinite Earth. So I'm a DC fan as <laughs> well. You know, um, I think I think we might have to have a discussion about story versus audience. Mm. Right? I think it's one thing to say, hey, I really, really love this story, but I would rather it did this thing that I want personally mm. versus saying I can tell this story a different way and that extra way I tell it is my adds my little bit of ownership. Mm. Um some of that is because of the influence of the invention of copyright. Yeah. And 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 the way that has worked and the way that's been extended and changed. And as somebody who studies Disney, I know you're very appreciative of how that can work. Yes. In, you know, good and bad. I, um, I
1: adore Disney, but thanks, Disney.
0: <laughs> I, I feel like there is a, a tendency to look back on the evolution of myths and stories in history as... Like a golden age in some ways for fans, because if you think about, a lot of people describe previous writers as fanfic writers themselves. Mm. they wrote the "Oh look, I love what this guy did. I'm going to do my version of it." Mm. And I, I always feel like that misses a couple of important historical points. One is that you you may be talking about a time period in which, if somebody else didn't write their version, the story is going to die out. Yeah. Right, there's little chance of that happening with commercial properties that make money. <laughs> corporations are like, can we get another franchise out of this, please? Yeah, you know. Um, so fan fiction doesn't always maintain in the current era. It doesn't always maintain a um, a story beyond its fiction, its original roots, because mm. that the corporations are doing that. Yeah, mm. it's not like say the '90s where my one of my favorite tv shows gets canceled every single season but uh, and 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 then brought back at the last minute so for the first couple of years after the cancellations they started uh, one of the bulletin boards created a site for fa- to do a, a fanfic but the way they integrated it was it's because it was a cop show and it has and the, the the real life unit the show is based on has a day shift and a night shift mm. the fanfic is the night shift oh that's cool so they cool. could create their own characters so mm. you could have crossovers and occasionally the characters from the TV show could walk in, particularly once the show properly ended mm. and they weren't going to get sued. But up until then, they simply wrote their own crime stories set in the same world with a new set of characters. Mm. And that got around copyright issues and it got around all kinds of issues, but it also allowed the whole thing to evolve.
1: Yeah. Uh, this is something else that I actually study because I do study into fandom studies. Cool. Um I have been to a conference on it with uh, one of our guest hosts, Leah Holmes, and fandom, this sort of stuff is absolutely fascinating, like how fan fiction and fan art have actually evolved and stayed in line with copyright while while still being a very grey area. Even yeah. though people say, "Oh, it's not a grey area," it's like, "Yeah, it really is." Um. <laughs> I, I, I
0: think, but I think, I think this is where it gets interesting because it was. I think it was greyer than it is now. Mm. I, I think I, 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 per, I do happen to agree with Warren Ellis, the comic book writer, and now writer and producer of Castlevania on Netflix, amongst many other things. Mm. Um, also, the writer of Red One and Two with Bruce Willis. Um, he said many years ago, "Let me get this straight." uh you want my work you want to be, you say that you have every right to take my work for free i say to you how about you build me a house and then i'll come and live in it for free mm. and i think that's important i think once upon a time there was an argument that what was the value of what was written had little to no further value than what you paid for the version in print or you the coin that you tossed to your bard singing about the witcher and i think what copyright changed and i do think this is genuinely genuinely for the better is it allowed artists of all stripes to make a living Mm. right we are literally in this century going back to a time where you have to toss a coin to the bard and i don't think that's fair yeah i really don't think that's fair i think i think I have too many friends who are writers and are living from writing from, from and I respect them and their work for me to be able to go hey who wants who wants to rip them off go ahead mm-hmm. i don't think it i think I think it was gray i think it's I think law and legality has evolved in a way that means that there has been uh the era when it's been black and white. Mm. I think the debate that needs to happen this, that is has been happening for twenty years and isn 't resolved in law yet is the debate over how do we access and define the grayness that 's reemerged mm. does that make sense yeah so th- so that people don 't easily put mm. themselves in a criminal position
1: yeah um, i mean I think one of the big things towards fan fiction is the fact of most of it is free i think when you charge for it that's very very different
0: agreed um agreed but then so many fan fiction sites or in or at least let me correct that some fan fiction sites, alongside things like um uh fan sub sites they run on advertising mm-hmm. to pay for the servers
1: that's true um archive of our own which is the biggest doesn't know it and relies yeah, on no,
0: but that that that's how they're the smart guys
1: Yeah, and they also basically run it as a charity and, well, a charity-like thing. And they also, if they have extra money, they give it to um, solicitors so then they can help protect things. The stuff they do as well as run the website is amazing. Mm -hmm. And this is not Assassin's Creed. (laughs)
0: That's fine. I was about to bring us back, so let's do that. So, um, I I, uh, I see a lot of these film. This is one of the reasons I don't have a problem with film versions or adaptations. I think mm. I think if you've legitimately given someone the keys to your creative sandbox and said go play in it, you should expect something different. Mm. And I'm one of these people who is generally happy with. The Doom movie and the yes. Resident Evil series and all these things. And I actually think people don't give these a lot of these films enough credit for the things that they get right. I think there's mm. chunks of the Resident Evil series that have worked as good horror movies and there's chunks of them that have worked in ways, the ga- sequences, sequ- not the whole game, but the sequences of the game have worked. Again, with the Doom movie, the Doom movie works generally as a movie and then it has a couple of chunks that make you feel like you're in the game and that's fine. I don't expect a movie to be a game or to reproduce the same sensations because as Guillermo del Toro said in conversation with um, uh, with Ken Levine, um, the creator of Bioshock, they want on a podcast, he said you fundamentally cannot replicate in cinema in a way that works for the modern audience no the the essential way that games work which is to put you and your point of view as the audience member in the driving seat
1: yeah because it's your okay. choice where you go basically
0: yes and and also therefore the emotional experience you have is different and I think Assassin's Creed the movie I think gets around this quite niftily because for a start if you don't know anything about the game I agree that the film could be clearer But generally speaking the setup is pretty clear here is a guy who sees his or thinks he sees his mother killed when he's young he's a sort of skateboarder parkour kind of kid yeah without growing up
1: on a farm in the middle of nowhere kind of
0: thing yeah they suggest it's california um and um Following the what he what he what he thinks is the killing of his mother, he's he has to go on the run for various reasons because of the strange figure who's standing there with a blade at his mum's body and tells him, and he goes on the run and he becomes a criminal and then he gets uh, caught and tried when he's an adult for uh, serious crimes that are going to lead to him being executed.
1: Uh, he murdered a pimp.
0: That's it. Which they don't show you. And they don't explain the details of. And I think that's one thing I think is part of the problem with this. Yeah, you're
1: like, what did he do? Do I. Because there's certain things that someone can be put on the death row for that you're like, okay, fair. And there's some things that you're like, no. So it's kind of like, well, do I feel for this guy or not what's he done
0: (laughs) yeah i i think that's a thing they missed out in is making it clear why we should be siding with this guy Mm. i think i think the overemphasis on his childhood and the lack of emphasis on his criminal adulthood i think confused matters slightly however he then awakes to find himself in an experimental program
1: yeah well he is executed first Yes. Officially, well, in abbreviated commas.
0: Exactly. It's the same, you know, for people who've seen spy fiction, or what's colloquially known as spy-fi, for years this is a standard trope, you know. Mm. Um, you know, person, criminal gets killed, wakes up, and uh, gets executed, sorry, and wakes up, to discover it was a fake execution, and now they work for a secret agency. Except in this <laughs> case, it's not an agency, it's a corporation. Mm. And in this case, this is where it all gets very interesting, because... Um, people who, are, who have never played video games but have seen video game movies will be like, ooh, Shades of Tomb Raider because we get the Templars. Yes. Yeah. Um, but this is An where obstergo. people who know the... Sorry?
1: An Obstergo.
0: Yeah, and this is where people who know the games will understand how it all connects. Mm. Um, now, one of the things that I think is hard for a lot of people to swallow is in the games as well as the, as the film is the fundamental idea in Assassin's Creed that we have... Literal genetic memories, mm. not as in reactions and embedded psychology, which we know is factually something we have. Um, they have proven, for example, that trauma can be passed on genetically. Mm. That, that's, that's actual current science. Um, but what we have here is the 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 idea that in through a kind of matrix style simulation and and the 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 technology in the in the film is very matrixy like Mm. that um it's somehow possible to access your one of your ancestors and relive things which is all just a big excuse for the main attraction which is the thing that attracted you and I both to the games originally, I still remember when the first game came out and I got hold of it. And I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. <laughs> because to me, one of the things I love about it is not just, oh, I got to be a guy running around a medieval era, crusader era, Middle East. Mm. It's the fact that having been to Turkey, Syria, Cyprus, Egypt, you know, I was just like, this is literally what these places look like. Mm. This is what it looks like. It feels like I'm there. That's the first game. I mean, obviously, they've gotten more yeah, clever with this. Um, and so for the film to say, right, we're not going to do any of the eras that are in the games. Let's pick up a game, an era that's not in the games. I thought that was a great idea.
1: Yeah. It, it's clever because if they did an era or an assassin they've already done, people are going to be comparing it to the game more. Yeah. And by giving the... Law a new assassin Because yes. there's There's going to be thousands of them Why not pick up a different story It makes yeah. absolute sense And I did see Criticisms that uh, oh, It's cow, isn't it uh, Michael Fassbender
0: uh, Callum. Yeah. Callum yes yeah. Absolutely right. Um,
1: his story is a little bit too similar To Desmond Who okay. kind of goes through the same thing In the first Assassin's Creed Video game um although he's not executed, he's kidnapped uh after drinking mm-hmm. a shot of something. Um but it's the same sort of thing, they both wake up and they're like, What on earth is going on? And it's like you're gonna be going into what is called the animus mm-hmm. and you're gonna be reliving your ancestors' lives and then they're like, What?
0: <laughs> yeah. But I think I, I kinda think yeah, that's that's the origin story thing though, isn't it? Yeah. If you hadn't if you hadn't put that in then everyone's going to be wondering uh, what the heck's going on. Mm. And and I know there's a lot of people out there and I've seen this so often online who play the video games who would be like the game, you know, just get rid of it from the games. We don't want that. And I'm like personally ludicrous sort of sci- sci-fi extrapolation though it is, mm. I quite th- I think it's quite actually useful for distancing yourself. Yeah. Emotionally from the whole notion of what's going on because otherwise you have to get your head around the fact that you really are like like uh, i actually don't really want to spend most of my time running around a, a, when i'm running around a recreated past killing people mm. like I, I i know that's kind of silly for some, for a game that's got the word assassin in the name <laughs>
1: and the fact that <laughs> you've got hidden blades yeah
0: but but but, but <laughs> you know there's nothing wrong i don't have a problem with stealth adventure yeah but this the, the franchise has moved way beyond that Mm. you know it's now like you know it's now in they love to find eras with big battles so they can make movie trailers yeah and 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 the thing about the movie itself is the movie kind of retreats back to what the games were about and i like that Mm. and i and 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 we haven't and and the thing is the historical period is the other thing i love about it to tell tell us all about the historical period the film set in
1: okay so it is set in 15th century spain going into Mm the 16th century which was a period of major change, Mm. uh, which uh, I can't say it. Uh, I'm very bad at foreign languages. I'm not great at English either. Um, But, you know.
0: (laughs) Have a go. Uh, Reconquista.
1: Reconquista.
0: (laughs) Reconquista.
1: Yeah, which is uh, Spanish for uh, reconquest. Yep. Um, It's when... I'm not sure if many people know... uh, A lot of people know, but Spain was uh, the country itself, what we consider Spain now. Over half of it was ruled by uh, Islamic and uh, Muslim leaders. Mm -hmm. Uh, They used to govern from a city called Cordoba, which Mm -hmm. um, I beat too and it's lush. Um, (laughs) And, yeah, uh, I'll try not to go too much off on that. Um, and then during so they ruled from about the eighth century roughly Mm -hmm. right so right through to the 14th 15th century so they had a long period and uh spain actually became a place of uh research uh into sciences uh they discovered a lot of things there um there was the arts as well um and they had this thing which they like to refer to as uh, coexistence, mm-hmm. where, according to the people that are selling the tourism for Cordoba, uh, they the Jewish, the Muslim, and the Christians all lived together in peace, and no one was not equal and stuff. And it's like, not quite,
0: but mm-hmm.
1: close. It's it was better than it was. It turned into.
0: I mean, there's been a lot of. That is one of the more thorny debates of this century in history. Yes. Uh, And it tends to fall into modern political ideological lines, sadly. Mm. Whereas I think you're right. I think the evidence, there's sufficient evidence to be able to say that it was certainly more cooperative than some people some versions of history have led us to believe Mm. but obviously there's more than enough records from the rulers themselves of punishments handed out controls meted out you know to specific groups yeah uh so so it's yeah yeah i mean but then that's hardly to hold up you know at that time period it's not like you can hold up most of the european nations as 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 avatars of democracy so well it was
1: it was better than most
0: precisely <laughs> uh but then of course there is a concerted effort to push them out and for uh lo- for 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 local noblemen and to, particularly christians to to take back what what they see themselves as taking back mate yeah and um... uh, and what comes about is a catholic regime yes. that leads into one of the most notorious periods of of christian history not least the catholic church itself which is of course the spanish inquisition, inquisition. yeah and for and while most people know that these days is a monty python sketch it's a savage
1: Ah, um, oh, well blank not blank brooks i can't remember the name of the film he does a song about it
0: okay um yeah, I can't remember. No, you're right. I can't remember which one it is. Um <clears throat> so yeah, so the thing is you've got comedians taking it on. Mm. But the fact is that historically it's a fascinating period and it's also a grim period. I mean there's been a couple of very interesting horror movies set in in those sort of eras. Yes, exactly. Um so for me you know Assassin's Creed going to that era it makes it's fascinating because you're putting them there is something about a film narrative in which you have uh rebellious, violent heroes existing within a repressive regime.
1: Mm.
0: You know, it's like a natural action movie setup. Yeah. And I think they I think I think picking the Inquisition era Spain is actually a really great way of addressing that.
1: Yeah, which part of me is like, it's a shame that they haven't done this for a video game.
0: Yes. Yes. Exactly. Because
1: you could, they could have the uh, not infrastructure. Um, the oh, the assets. Sneak, well, yeah, the assets for one thing. The
0: CG um, assets, yeah. Because a lot, a lot of this film is filmed on location in Malta and then absolutely massively embellished with with computer graphics.
1: And uh, they did do aerial shots of Seville as well. Yes. So. Yeah. Which, uh, I
0: bet which is, yeah, well, they all sewed it together in the computer. Because they
1: weren't allowed to film in the actual palace because of the scenes that happened that are based in the palace are a bit violent. And yes. obviously they wanted to protect the tiles. So. Yeah, understandable. <laughs> yes. Um If uh, you ever go to Seville, which I have also been to, um, just for a quick context, I got to go to um, this area of Spain as a module for my university degree uh which is amazing and uh so i spent a week there and i got to visit the mosque uh in cordoba i got to visit the alcazar in both seville and cordoba we went to a lot of the museums um and it was just a great experience and seville um It was just after I discovered about me being autistic. So it was the first time I gave myself more permission to do stuff by myself rather than pushing myself to be with a group. Mm -hmm. And it meant that I actually, instead of following everyone else with what they did, everyone rushed through the Alcazar. And instead I brought an audio tour and just walked through it and I didn't actually leave until the Alcazar closed at like half past five while everyone else had gone left by lunchtime mm-hmm. and it's one of my happiest memories. It just getting to walk around, listening to everything, uh taking notes, uh taking I think I took something like three thousand photos. I actually mm-hmm. won a prize for uh the most photos taken during the um trip because they did a prize giving at the end of the trip. Mm-hmm. And uh, I also if anyone wants to read about the trip uh, it is on the University of uh, Gloucestershire history blog so go look there Mm -hmm. so yeah it's it's a I would highly recommend it it is a gorgeous place so yeah Mm -hmm. sorry there's me Mm gushing but um it's with the Spanish Inquisition as well it's and the assassins, I think it, we could have had something like more substitute if it had been in the game. Mm-hmm. And more sneaking around and following, and obviously doing all the assassins creedy things that everyone loves to do, like having to follow someone and stick close to them, and you keep desynchronizing because you keep losing it. <laughs>
0: So so may briefly explain to people who don't get it so, so who don't look at ga- uh, what we're saying there, because they yeah. play the games desynchronization, which is explaining the film is this idea where these 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 scientists who are experimenting on these prisoners are attempting to have them uh relive the ancestors' memories in a virtual modern environment, but which mm. we see as actual film footage of the era mm. uh you know, in, in an effort to uh, access, in this case this is where we get into the kind of bigger you know... Hitchcock, what Hitchcock used to call the MacGuffin there's, a tre- yeah. there's basically a treasure hunt going on here, yeah. there's the, the Templars are looking for the location of an item in the modern era, they've lost all the information archaeologically hence why they're sending people they're trying to reconnect people to uh, ancestral memories to find yeah. it um, and that allows us to see and experience an exciting adventure as they go along now I don't really think that this is that different from the games, I feel no. like the film is very much you know, one of the things about the games is you, there's a degree of history tourism Mm. you know you go into the game and people like you and me are going oh my god this, this is exactly what this place must have looked like and felt like and sounded yeah. like and until you start getting used to the the loops and you're like oh okay it's the same dialogue again great you know um, and
1: also you get to um meet certain famous people from that period it's like like uh tussins creed syndicate which is based in london oh look there's Karl Marx, and there's charles dickens and there's france nightingale it's that kind of who's who kind of thing so Mm. but it they do use them in interesting
0: ways though as well so Mm.
1: and normally you can find out were they a templar or were they assassin or did Mm. they not know
0: (laughs) and so i think when you get to this film version i think we're kind of going well okay so you've got to introduce everything to the new audience which i don't think it does quite as well as it could Mm. You've then got a film in which there's several characters, and it's not immediately clear how everyone links up. That could it could have been clarified better that everyone else in the institution is also being put through the same process. Yeah, and therefore that's why you see them in 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 the background. Now, from a comic book point of view, or or or, or sort of the way that I don't know if you ever saw the the, the Tumblr user who the heavily dyslexic Tumblr user who Tumblr user who, who analysed Pacific Rim. From their no, perspective, I haven't seen that. okay, because they were talking about how there were so many visual cues that allowed them to follow mm. and understand what was happening with, without relying on dialogue. Yeah, I feel like this, I feel like Assassin's Creed has a similar, as a movie, I feel has a similar level of visual creativity. Mm. Um, from a comic book perspective, as someone who's used to reading comic books, uh, of all kinds from all over the world. I felt like I—I—I'm expressing this as a as a as a negative for people, other people who watch film. Me personally, I got it. Mm. I saw the faces of the actors in the past as in these roles as other assassins fighting, and then I saw them in the present. And I was like, "Well, there you go. Yeah, they're in the same institution. They must be being put through the same thing." Mm. I didn't need it spelt out, but clearly some people do. Yeah. Um. So. The modern day sequences are obviously pure sci-fi and, and nicely done. We have good cast. You know, when Charlotte Rampling and Jeremy Irons turn up, you know they're going to be bad guys because that's all we ever do with our great old actors these oh, days is cast as bad guys. Her coats. Oh, of course. She's Charlotte Rampling. She's going to have the best coats. Uh, <laughs> and Maria Cotillard in the same scene as Charlotte Rampling. I'm like, there you go. Generations of great French actresses in one. Mm. You, know, it, this is, you don't expect a big budget action movie to suddenly give you great acting talent in this way although these days they do now mm. Brendan Gleeson's in it Um uh t- t- what do call it Michael K. Williams who's one of my all-time favourite actors I mean you, Michael K. Williams will never not be from the wire, do you know what I mm. mean? He will always be the guy who said, "You come at the king, you best not miss." <laughs> you know, he's always gonna be that guy. Um, mm. uh, he was just the best. But anyway, he's amazing in this. They're all really interesting, and I and I think for me, the most important thing that so weirdly for a film where we're supposed to be talking about history, actually, I think the, uh, I'll just briefly say this. I think the thing that the film does most interestingly from the point of view of the franchise is it sets up the idea of the assassins in the modern world.
1: Hmm. and I've actually always enjoyed the modern bits as well. So yeah. Um yeah. so I'm like you. Like uh one of my favorite assassins is actually Sean Hastings mm-hmm. because he's a nerd, history nerd and I love him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, yeah, yeah. And I, I'm always sad when he's not in an F- in a game. <laughs> mm-hmm. But um yeah, it's I think it just it gives you more understanding and also more license to go right this character probably went off and did this but as a gamer i'm going to go off and do that because it's kind of like Uh, i don't know how to explain it
0: um well it's the difference between film and gaming isn't it yeah if you're a game, you have some choice and some decisions. The filmmakers uh, have make the decisions that they make, and I'm okay with these. I mean, Justin Kurzel, the Aussie director, his and Michael Madsen, the writer. You know, the, I for all for the for the savage for the almost assassins like way in which they take apart the Macbeth text for their version of Macbeth. <laughs> it's still a, a a very engrossing visual. De- version of the story mm. and some of the things that fascinate them in that film they've brought over to this film mm. you know the way they shoot the combat with lots of uh, movement and lots of fog like, like lots of the things that cam- what cameras cope badly with so like steam, fog, heat dust mm. you know, there's a lot of stuff flying around uh, people who f- who are consider themselves warriors use a lot of tat- facial tattoos and makeup uh and, and so it's not makeup i mean uh, yeah well makeup but they they have they, they they themselves are painted in a way that represents something about who they are mm. it's a self-expression thing there's a lot of use of uh leather as a way of defining outfits rather than just simply cloth mm. um and i quite regardless of and, and and again, you know, like it's not something that's necessarily historically accurate. You could argue that it all goes back to, it's all the fault of Braveheart. I don't know, but I I quite like this idea of suggesting that this fictionalized version of Spain at the time has the has has these visual traits that we've seen them use in medieval Scotland in Macbeth, mm. but which we've also seen elsewhere. I like this idea that there is a if if Celts if Celtic groups have traditions of war paint, is it, do, is it, I I would need to do way more research on this Mm. than I've had time to do for the justice podcast, but I would love to know whether we think that such traditions were completely gone in Spain at the time Mm. or whether that's again, one of those things we haven't researched fully. And we've always made the assumption in film and television that people didn't tattoo or paint their faces and that maybe do you know what i mean i'm saying yeah. that i'd like to know more about that um that side of it um but i think the one the last thing i want to say on the historical content of the film and i think this is probably where the film scores the highest um is the the recreation of an auto de fe mm. um so the auto de fe was a public ceremony during the spanish inquisition in which um sentences was basically public punishment and execution mm and so people who were regard, who were deemed by the inquisition to be uh heretics. Sentenced, yes heretics were made were sentenced in public and then executed by the secular authorities it's so a two state there's, so there's two parts to the process the uh the sentencing is religious the punishment is secular that's a mm. very important distinction at the time in the film uh, the first one took place in 1481. The last one happened in Mexico in 1850. Crikey. Um, <laughs> and, of course, these ceremonies, which are normally stays in a city plaza, often with royalty, they they involved pr- uh, a, a procession in the streets. There was a mass taken. There was an oath of obedience to the Inquisition. There was a sermon and then the reading of the sentences. Uh, at the time, victims were often former Jews, former yes. Muslims. Uh, Alumbrados, who were followers of a condemned mystical movement. I wonder how that could be reused for a movie. And Protestants. Um, Life imprisonment was was the extreme penalty that the Inquisitor could impose. Mm. Death penalties had to be imposed and carried out by the civil authorities. Um, uh, It is worth saying, though, that generally neither the punishment nor the handing over between the two... Took was supposed to take place on those occasions but it did happen occasionally. Mm. And in, this, in this version in the Assassin's Creed movie version it does all take place there because it's big and dramatic and it may, looks good but it also creates a, a really great action sequence. Mm. You know we've had quite a few, you know, again it's a trope of historical action movies, you know the escape from execution. Yeah. You know, some of my some of my favourite ones are various versions in Robin Hood. Plunkett and McLean has a great one. Mm. You know, it's a classic thing you do with the out within outlaw mythology. It comes from the. It's very much rooted in in cinema terms. It's rooted in the westerns. Yeah. You know the outlaw who gets saved by his gang. It's all very kind of movie like, but we do know of occasions in history where that has happened. So mm. it's not entirely without precedent, and it. Probably is the most successful portion of the film historically. Yeah, uh, in that it's quite easy to see. You know I. Uh, we can argue about. You know, the very Assassin's Creed is anachronistic. It has to be. Mm. It's a video game. Yeah, it has to be anachronistic. The joy is in seeing the the. Especially speaking from some from a historical point of view, the joy is in seeing what they the creators do with it. And I feel like this film fits that mould. Here is the situation. Mm. We want you to do, take the Assassin's Creed mythology and do a Spanish Inquisition version, but we also want you to set up a sequel in the modern world. Yeah. Boom. Film ticks the boxes. And it does it beautifully. It does it well. It looks amazing. Um... It has
1: characters speaking in Spanish.
0: Yes, it's subtitled. Oh, I forgot to mention that. Yes, yeah. in an era we, uh, in which it's... You we know... haven't
1: mentioned that yet. I just realised...
0: Yeah, it's
1: and, and I, think, fa- I think that actually um, compute, uh, contributed to the negative feedback because yes. people expect in their action y st- stock films not that they will be having to read subtitles. So, all fans of foreign cinema, me and you are quite used to subtitles, although I do prefer a dub personally, especially if it's animation. Uh, just because it means that I can get on with doing something while watching a film.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But I don't have a problem with subtitles in general. Mm-hmm. And I think, as much as it's kind of a stereotype, I think a lot of fanboys do, unless it is, ooh, made-up language, and it's only for a one or two sentences during that mm-hmm. hour-long f- uh, programme, mm-hmm. uh, like Dothraki or um, Elvish or something like that. They're like, Wee! of language and then Mm. half this film is in spanish no don't like that Mm. if if that makes sense i
0: I think that may constitute some of the backlash i don't think it's all of it i think a lot i I think we now have 25 plus years of video game adaptations Mm. and the majority of them have are criticized over the years for not delivering what the person complaining experienced from the game or in the case of movie fans not delivering what they want from a movie mm. and I think that over the years as we have more and more directors who play video games and I think we absolutely have to credit Paul W.S. Anderson here because his 1985 version of Mortal Kombat mm. was a massive massive game changer yeah and one of the key things he did was go to Hong Kong and say, right, we need Hong Kong style combat and choreography because that's what the games are borrowing from. Mm. So he gets Robin Shu to come over and be both the lead and do the choreography. And so for the first time, we see certain things in America, in Western movies. And as a British mm. director doing it, it's an American funded film. It's the first time we start to see certain things that actually those of us who've been watching Hong Kong movies had seen for 20 years at that point. Mm. And we knew that these things influenced the games, which is one of the reasons we played the games.
1: Yeah.
0: And I think, I think the, I think since then, I think it's been a long, steady kind of uh, uphill struggle to try and find a, a a place in which everybody, movie fans and game fans, is happy with what they get to see when they go pay their money at the cinema mm-hmm. to watch a video game movie, and. I think we're still not quite there. Look at the number of friends you and I have who are World of Warcraft fans who love the film.
1: Yeah, uh, I will say though, with Detective Pikachu,
0: I think which was amazing, and I absolutely love the film. And I don't play the games.
1: Yeah, it. I think that's been the highest peak for a video game yes. movie so far because. It takes that world and it does something a bit different with it.
0: Which, but that's what I th- and that's yeah. what I think Assassin's Creed movie does. Mm. I which, think it's. Ex- I think you've just said it. Yeah. That's exactly it. Yeah.
1: I want to see the real world with Pokemon in it. That's yeah. amazing.
0: That's Assassin's I... Creed.
1: I want to see the real world with people doing parkour and uh, actual leaps of faith, uh, which are the uh, for people that don't know the. Um, if anyone knows anything about Assassin's Creed, it's normally the hidden blades, the hood and the fact they jump off very tall buildings <laughs> yeah. and they have to do it in a certain way as well. And then they land in a haystack, um, which always is conveniently there, um, which they did for real in this film as well. The stuntman jumped one hundred and twenty five feet, I think.
0: Yeah, you can see it in the extras. It's really impressive. Yeah. Um... They built I up mean... a lot
1: of hype with that
0: the the exp- the extras are generally quite interesting because the one if I have one personal major criticism of the film other than what I said about the fact that structurally I think they I don't think they quite nailed down the communication to the audience of what was happening mm. um, the other thing is for me that the the amount of CG they added to create the location off the blend of real life shots and and history I. F- you look at the bright sunlight in Malta and some of the glorious stunts mm. and you kind of, I kind of wish that some of it was, they'd left some of the blue sky and sunlight in there rather than covering it all up with dusty particles. Yeah. And graying it out because the stunt work is superb. Mm. And it's like the one thing going back to what we said about Hong Kong filmmakers, you know, one of the things that makes their stuff look so interesting, even when it's anachronistic historically is you can clearly see the fighting happening, mm. you know. There's you again. Maybe that's the other reason I don't mind some of these movies and the liberties they take. Is I I am used to watching films from elsewhere in the world where they can't necessarily afford to or don't have the ability to completely transform everything around them to make it look precisely like the historical period. You know, historical Mm. set dressing and costumes in a historical film is usually one of the most expensive things about setting something in the period.
1: Yeah, and the costumes, I will say, are gorgeous.
0: Oh, they're amazing. They're amazing. The the costume work is stunning. Um, And so I think... uh, I do feel that there is this aspect to the way Assassin's Creed... Assassin's Creed is probably a really good example of where historical content in fictional films is at the moment Mm. as a kind of -of state-of-the-art thing like there's a little bit of everything like you and I can sit there we've part of one of the things we've done this this episode is we've made we've kind of created a checklist of things that you expect to see in this sort of film yeah You know, oh, look, it's based on the game, so we have to have certain things, but it also needs to look a little bit like The Matrix because we're trying for that audience and it needs to have a little bit that looks like um, Braveheart because we're trying for that audience.
1: And we need to parkour because that's a major part of the game.
0: Yeah. And there's all these things that you kind of work through. Um, And then there's also the diversity thing, which is big in the games and big in the film. Mm, That's one of the
1: things that I'm so happy about the games with is technically their first main character other than desmond is a arab man mm-hmm. which when you think oh what year did that game come out 2007
0: mm-hmm.
1: that's a massive deal
0: mm-hmm.
1: and um the interesting thing they've put on every single game is the fact of uh this game was made by many people of different faiths culture backgrounds and they've now added sexuality as well
0: Mm-hmm. Ubisoft um, come into a lot of criticism for things but yeah. I think when they get things right they really get it right
1: mm. and uh, because there are characters now that are LGBT mm-hmm. while things have been getting more acceptable acceptable they've been experimenting with that with like the fact of their first openly bi character is actually Jacob Fry from mm-hmm. uh, Assassin's Creed Syndicate which I keep going back to and then with the more open world Assassin's Creed games that we've got now, like Odyssey, mm-hmm. you can make romance choices, mm-hmm. which for the era of ancient Greece makes a lot of sense because they were quite fluid in their sexuality, from what I've read. So yeah,
0: yeah. I I, I mean, I think I think I can see another thing. I, I think another reason. <sighs> I think fans of the games would have had a pro- may have had a problem with the film choosing to end up in the modern world and i mm. think people who watch the movie without knowing the games will have sat there going well the history stuff looked interesting uh but maybe i prefer you know maybe it was is the point is the, was it supposed to be you know the modern world stuff was is that was that meant to be the point couldn't we have just had that i don't know mm. you know it, 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 it's a little bit kind of da vinci code with with people looking like monks killing people you know it's kind of i I, there's a lot of reasons why people didn't like it i think we've i think we've defended it well enough i think on the history front given we've only got a few minutes left what do you want to give it as a percentage because i think this is a difficult one sometimes yeah because
1: also it's half the film is history half the film is not
0: true true which
1: then does that technically take our score down just through the fact of half of it's in modern era
0: it's a good question it's a very good question.
1: Because they are also dealing with research as well. Because yes. you can see um, they do it for a lot of Easter eggs. Uh, you can see the this is the idiot ball of this film, is the fact of the Templars have got all these assassins and they've left assassin weapons everywhere.
0: So, oh, that, well yeah.
1: done, guys. That's a brilliant idea. <laughs>
0: well, 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 that is possibly the core thing, is I don't think anybody expected... a mass (laughs) breakout well well yeah because they thought they had them under control but also Mm. is the 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 key one of the key things that the game does that is not so that the film does that's not in the game is the well it's not massively is this idea that the ancestry the re the experiencing of the ancestors memories will allow them to train themselves and develop their own selves that does
1: happen with desmond Yes, but yeah. it's
0: not been done elsewhere, and that's what no. I mean. I think people kind of, I think gamers, I think some of the may have forgotten that that's actually a thing. Um... In
1: um, Assassin's Creed Black Flag, which is technically four and Rogue, you are a game developer. You are a no face game developer, mm, mm. and so that you don't, it's not your ancestor. It's the, um, it's been taken from an assassin. Mm. So uh, they've got the DNA from somewhere, and you're just happening to play for it, which is interesting. Yeah. But yeah. and it's kind of meta, but at the same time, it's like <laughs> I liked the Desmond story. <laughs>
0: yeah, no, no, that, that's fair enough. Mm. I mean, I think that's that's fine for the film to do that. Um, mm. So, what are we saying? Forty percent? Yeah. Okay. Yeah,
1: I, I'm quite I'm quite happy with forty.
0: Okay, 40% it is. Okay. Um, uh... Just as a
1: quick Easter egg, uh, for anyone that doesn't know, Callum at the end is shooting a bow, which belongs to Connor from Assassin's Creed 3. Cool. Which I was like... (laughs)
0: There you go. There you go. Okay, folks. uh, (laughs) Jenna, where can people find you? So,
1: you can find me at Nudesco Kitty on Twitter. You can find me on the Bunkerzilla blog, doing reviews and writing things occasionally when I'm not in as... Simon season uh and uh as I mentioned earlier um I do have an article on the University of uh, Gloucestershire history blog about my trip to Cordoba so if you want to read what I did then you can go there and it's got lots of photos that I took as well so yeah cool
0: Right, uh, folks. If you want to contact me, please use at uh, forty eight consultancy on Twitter, Facebook, um, and Instagram. If you would like to talk to us about this particular podcast, we have a Facebook page at Real History UK. At um, we have a Twitter page at Real History underscore UK, um, and we also have uh, you can reach us at Forty Eight Publishing on Twitter and on Gmail. Uh, So this has been another episode of Real History. We hope you've enjoyed it. Mm -hmm. Uh, Admittedly, less history this episode because we do love the video games. Um, I I think that we
1: are going to return to the video games, especially with the new one coming out.
0: Consider this Assassin's Creed episode one for Real History, okay? (laughs) And we'll go from there. (laughs) <laughs> Alright all right, folks, take care of yourselves if you like what we did, buy us a coffee at 48publishing on coffee.com uh, or else just pop by to say hello uh, and thanks to Bunkerzilla for hosting us yes. all this time, very soon you will be hearing us direct uh, through your, your podcast network rather than just via Bunkerzilla. Mm. so look forward to that, take care folks
1: and everything, oh what is it nothing is true, everything is permitted
0: there you go yeah